0: Yahweh, your words. Bless your words, Father. Sharing the exhortation, uplifting, encouragement of my brothers and sisters. Myself, Father God, thank you for your way, your words, your wisdom, your knowledge. Yahweh, Aman, Yeshua, Aman, Parakritos, Aman. I love the fact that when I've done a a Bible study that God will send confirmation, and he does that. God does speak. God does so many things, and the skeptics today say that God does not do miracles and the gifts of the Spirit. They're either fearful of the gifts of the Spirit or they say that he doesn't bestow. I'm here to tell you that there's nothing in the Scripture that says that. And when you... they say that the Age of Miracles is not necessary anymore because we can do this, we can do that, we can do all that. Well, that's putting your faith in self. That's arrogance, and arrogance comes before the fall. Brothers and sisters, the Age of Miracles is not dead. God does present spirits, and there are, there are those that are afraid and they're fearful. They were brought up in churches that said that they don't exist, and if they do, then they're of the devil. It's like when the Pharisees talked to Jesus about his casting out the demons, and they said, "Oh, he, he's a Beelzebub And that's when Jesus gave him the parable of the the house divided. It's the same thing with the nation. The house of the nation divided cannot stand, fighting amongst themselves all the time. So. Anyway, let's back over here. In this, the skeptics, they don't believe in miracles, and they don't believe in the gifts of the Spirit. Back in the day when word was being taught by Paul and and in Habakkuk, he was talking about a group of people called the Chaldeans. Now, some time ago I was studying about this, and that they're... They're used Bible speak in several places as demons. Five about five thirty six five thirty nine B C. The Chaldeans stopped to exist as a nation. Some scattered individuals, but they pretty much were no more. They were very fierce. They were very um, vengeful, ambush, predatory assailants, uh, excellent archers, but they were very, very vicious, mean, and nasty. Nebuchadnezzar himself was a Chaldean. He had Chaldeans that were working for him, counseling, sorcerers, uh, they were into all that. Um, Nebuchadnezzar, as you go through the book of Daniel, we see how mean, nasty, and vicious he was. Um, He had no problem with just having somebody's head whacked off or and also very arrogant in that he had that statue built and demanded that everyone kneel down and worship and yet Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah did not and were thrown in a furnace. Why? Because Nebuchadnezzar's Chaldeans went and told on them. At any rate, in the book of Habakkuk, Chapter 1, starting at verse 4. Therefore the law is slacked, and judgment doth never go forth. For the wicked doth encompass about the righteous. Therefore wrong judgment proceedeth. Look around this country today, brothers and sisters. Is the law not slack? Is judgment not to be seen? And people are definitely making wrong judgments being surrounded by this. But also we are not to be afraid, not to be fearful. Behold, ye among the heathen then regard and wonder marvelously, for I will work a work in your days, which ye will not believe, though it be told you. For lo, I raise up the Chaldeans, that their bitter and hasty nation, which shall march through the breadth of the land to possess the dwelling places that are not theirs. They are terrible and dreadful. Their judgment and their dignity shall proceed of themselves. They think mightily of themselves and no one else. They regard no one else. Their horses are also swifter than the leopards and are more fierce than the evening wolves. And their horsemen shall spread themselves and their horsemen shall come from far. They shall fly as eagle that hasteth to eat. They shall come all for violence. Their faces shall sup up As east wind and they shall gather the captivity as the sand. Just look around. But brothers and sisters, here's the thing. We don't have to be fearful. Fear is uncertainty. God knows that. God knows that things are uncertain. He knows this way. He sees everything. Keep in mind, brothers and sisters, that f- being fearful drives people to go into hovels, they pull the shades, they lock the doors, they won't go out, they won't contact, they won't be around anyone, they, they hunker back in a corner and they pull themselves, they pull the stone over their tomb because that's essentially what it has become like. In Habakkuk 2, 1-4, through four, I will stand upon my watch, and set me upon the tower, and will watch to see what he will say unto me, and what I shall answer when I am reproved. And the Lord answered me, and said, Write the vision, and make it plain upon tables, that he may run that readeth it. For the vision is set as yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak, and not lie, though it tarry, wait for it because it will surely come, it will not tarry. Behold, this soul which is lifted up is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith." So, brothers and sisters, we are justified in our faith. We must be faithful, not be fearful, not be afraid this is what we're called to do. God is our strong tower. We must not be afraid, brothers and sisters. And we have to be aware of these things that go on. Now, Paul was preaching in Antioch, Presidia which is different from Antioch and Syria, two of the like names, but they're different. Um, The Antioch church in Syria was the greatest missionary church at that time. I mean, they they sent out disciples to the mission field in every direction all the time. And it was the greatest missionary church in the New Testament. And that's where Paul and Barnabas were sent out from. And now he's speaking in in Antioch of Presidia, which is uh, basically they're just like different regions, you know, kind of like we have a Paris, uh, Paris, France, and you have a, I think there's a Paris, Illinois, and I think there's a Paris, Texas. Paris, Paris, but they're in different places. Same thing here. And Paul is speaking in Acts thirteen thirty nine through 41, Let me flip over there here, folks. So in Acts 13, 39 through 41, and by him all that believe are justified from all things from which ye could not be justified by the law of Moses. What did I just share with you? We are justified in him, and not by the written law, but by our faith, Beware, therefore, lest that come upon you which is spoken of in the prophets. Behold, ye despisers, and wonder, and perish, for I work a work in your days, a work which ye shall in no wise believe, though a man declare it unto you. Paul is speaking directly from Habakkuk. The prophet was just saying the things that, that Paul is sharing there and as there were skeptics then, skeptics today, and there was Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came and was speaking, and nobody wanted it. no one that was all caught up in the written word, they didn't want to hear what he had to say. There were those that marveled and listened because they had a spiritual ear. They that have ears, let them hear. Same thing. All through the Bible, it talks the same thing. They that have ears, let them hear. Spiritual ears. Lean into God. Stay in the word. And Paul is talking about Jesus Christ. And he also referenced back to Habakkuk. The enemy desires that we are blind to the truth. That we don't hear what is being said of the word. That's why we have to stay in the word. Pray. Seek his light and truth. And again, you go back to Habakkuk. They're they're speaking the same thing. Here's Paul is referencing back to Habakkuk, the prophet who is speaking of these things. And we have to remember that we have a strong tower, and God is that strong tower, and we just need to be heading to that strong tower all the time. And remember, brothers and sisters, that the demons come to possess what does not belong to them. Stealing doesn't mean that they have to grab onto your person and yank whatever you have away from you. Stealing is that you might just hold your hands out and they pick it up and take it and they leave it. Yeah, they stole it from you. They took it from you. It didn't belong to them, but they took it. So this is why I tell you, brothers and sisters, that we have the authority that is given to us by Jesus Christ himself over the snakes and the scorpions, over the Chaldeans, that we do not have to let them take away anything. They don't come in and wrest it from us. They don't have that authority. We have been given the authority over them. Do not surrender anything to them. If they take it from you, that's because you gave it up. You surrendered it. You became discouraged and you gave it up. I've heard people say, oh, Satan came and he took my joy and my happiness. I was so happy. Well, here, let me let me tell you this about that. Sorry, but that's pretty arrogant. Satan doesn't think enough of us that he would come himself. He sent one of his minions. And you're so caught up in woe is me that you, you don't get that. Now, Satan appeared personally because Jesus Christ warranted that. He is the only begotten Son of God. And here's the other thing that you have to understand. Our God is omnipotent. He's all-powerful. He's omniscient. He can see everything. And he exists everywhere. He's omnipresent. Satan does not have that ability or capability. Okay, He does not have that. So why does he have an army? So they can go and spy on people. They can go and they can report back to Satan. And they do his bidding, what he wants them to do. And what is his bidding? To keep an eye on those that are getting too close to God. And then he's going to send reinforcements so he can knock us off our walk and our path. And because he is not able to do as God, he has an army of demons. Yes, they do exist. The skeptics in the day said that the, you know what, the Chaldeans, they don't even exist anymore. Yeah, and people, skeptics today say, yeah, the age of miracles is dead. God doesn't have us to do miracles anymore, and he doesn't have that. We don't need him. We have all this. We have all that. Well, that's exactly what the enemy wants to do. And it's working in so many places and so many people, and yes, even those inside of churches are blind to the fact that the Age of Miracles is not dead and God does perform miracles. And yes, he does anoint people with gifts and blessings, speaking in tongues, healing, and presents visions and prophecies. He still does those things. But the enemy is working mightily to keep people from those things and keep people from seeing them and believing them. Hardening hearts, waxing their ears so they can't hear the spiritual word that is given in truth. That's exactly what they do to get us to be discouraged, to get us to be fearful, to get us to walk off the path, to get us to turn away. And the Bible says that some will do so. There will be a great falling away before God pours out his spirit on the nations. It's going to be both things are going to happen. Many people are going to walk away from the churches, throw their hands up and say, I give up. I don't want to do this anymore. This, I'm not having fun. I want to go have fun. I'm going to go do what I want to do. Well, that will happen, Sadly. So, brothers and sisters, don't give up what they don't have the authority to take. So, we talk about things that happen. Another prophet, Jeremiah 50 and 51, has a word. I'm sorry, brothers and sisters. I thought I had marked. Evidently, I did not. I am going there. So, in Jeremiah chapter 50 and 51, it speaks to things that are going to be done when God spoke against Babylon and the land of the Chaldeans. Through Jeremiah the prophet. And in 50 and 51, it's spoken about these things. It's spoken about the Chaldeans and how their destruction came about and their fall. And it talks about these things. So that's the history lesson. In that, <coughs> pardon me, brothers and sisters. Sorry about that. But here's the thing: Chaldeans were wandering people, and they wandered to take what didn't belong to them whenever they encountered things. But they were they were very vicious, very mean, uh, very nasty. Demons are also wanderers; they are employed in the army of Satan. And as I told you, Satan is not omniscient, all-knowing, omnipotent, all-powerful. And he does not have the capability of being omnipresent. He can't be in many places at once and see all things. So he has an army. And that army, are wa- they are wanderers. They wander to and fro. They're also not very nice Understand that our God is very merciful and loving, very gracious, compassionate. Satan has none. He's opposite of everything that our God is. And he disguises in his works the works of God and can be done. And if you have that spiritual ear, you will be able to discern the difference. And God will show you the difference. All you have to do is lean in to God and pay attention when he speaks Satan's army wanders and his purpose and his thought and his desire is to steal, kill, and destroy. And God's purpose is to uplift, to heal, to restore, make new salvation, redemption, and bring us home to be with him. And that's, his purpose is all for good. And Satan's is, is nothing but darkness. And sometimes when the Bible talks and reference when Satan comes to do it, they're not talking about Satan himself. They're talking about his armies. They're employed by him. They're manipulated by his power. They're driven by his power and his force and his ruling. So a lot of times you'll see that and when I kind of made light a little bit when somebody is so caught up in their own self that oh Satan came and and he took this from me. Well, nah. Don't be so caught up in yourself for that. Satan Satan does not value you the person of yourself or anyone else of that importance. He came personally to Jesus only because Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son of God, and his authority preceded him. We are not of that high a value to Satan, he doesn't care, he has no mercy, he has no compassion, he doesn't care about anything else except destruction. And he will send his minions to do his bidding, but as far as us, he doesn't concern himself with us enough to come himself. As the church has missionaries, Satan has that also. And for those skeptical-minded individuals that say that there are no demons or that exist anymore, then explain to me why it is that those that practice through the satanic church, they call up names of demons and they call on demons. They worship Satan, Beelzebub or whatever they call them in their church. But I know that they call up demons. I know that they call those up that are not Satan. They worship him, but they call out demons. So if there don't exist, why are they calling them? Why are they calling to a non-existent entity? brothers and sisters, demons do exist And I've shared with you before, we cannot see the world that is around us that is going on right now. Why is it then, brothers and sisters, that we are called to wear the whole armor of God? Now I've had some people, and in a Bible study, well, I don't want to hear about that. That's that's focusing on the devil. That let's focus on God. Let's let's focus just on that. I don't want to hear about that. Well, there in and of itself, brothers and sisters, is exactly what part of their job is working for Satan is to get people to not believe or pay attention to their existence, to be ignorant of that existence and to not want to hear about it. But let me tell you this about that, having been a military-minded person and that we are in the army of God, and why would God have us to have armor if it wasn't to battle? And there are some battles that are ours that we will have to be into, and we have to wait for the direction from God. He's going to have us to stand back, and he will protect us. But here's the thing. You have those that don't believe that they exist. They want to wear rose-tinted glasses and look at all the nice things that happen. Let's just focus on that. Let's just focus on the the turtle doves and the bluebirds of happiness and the flowers. That's not reality, brothers and sisters. Jesus told us that it would be in the days it was in Noah. Those are not happy times. Those are not pleasantries. The existence of the enemy is real, and any military-minded person, or anyone that has been in the military, even if you watch war movies, for crying out loud, back in the day, generals were aware of one another's movements. They had to know their enemy. It does the military no good to go into into a battle, or if they're drawn into warfare, and not know the enemy. You don't have to focus on them. Our focus needs to be on God, the word of God and his teachings and his truth. But to sit there and ignore the existence of the enemy and say things like, I don't want to hear about that. That's just all doom and gloom. And they say the same thing about the revelation and the prophecy of the second coming of Christ. Oh, that's so doom and gloom. Wait a second here. We're talking about God, our creator and father, who desires for us to come home. Jesus Christ, who came and died for our sins to be and spend time with him in eternity. And as promised, all our loved ones that went before. How is that doom and gloom? The only doom and gloom is what exists here on this earth right now. It's a dark place. That's why we have to have the light Within us that shines out of our windows of our house. Our dwelling place is that thing that Jesus spoke about that the demons come to take. It doesn't belong to them. So don't let them have it, brothers and sisters. But don't be those mamby-pamby, willy-nilly, wishy-washy. Christians that don't want to hear about the capability and the truth of the enemy that is in existence and don't want to hear about the doom and gloom of the second coming of Jesus Christ. Excuse me, that's not doom and gloom. That's righteousness. It's upright truth. And it's something to be marveling at and to be happy about. What is doom and gloom about it? What? The fact that you're not going to be able to keep all this stuff here? Okay, don't be like there are some that say the guy that has the most stuff in the end wins. Wait, where wins what? What are you going to take? You're going to take it with you? You're going to think that God's going to let you have a, a U-Haul or some kind of expo jet that's going to fly up there with all your stuff? That's not going to happen. Come on, brothers and sisters, don't get caught up in that. Be caught up in the truth and the way and stay in the word. And know this, too, that if you are after God and you seek him, he is, he is going to send demons after you to try to get you off the walk. The closer our walk with God, the harder they will come. And the foolish will scoff and say, Eh, they're after the unbelievers. Why are they going to come after me? I'm a Christian. Well, let me tell you this about that. The closer your walk, the more they want you off that. The more that Satan has an issue with that and they watch, and they are to keep us in defeat, keep us from winning over believers to Christ. That is, the, that is our purpose. That is what God desires for us. The mission statement or the gifts might be different in each Christian. We should not compare ourselves, one Christian to another, and say, well, they have the gift of that, and they can do this, and they do that. Why do they get to do that? That's not for you to worry about. God designed a certain thing, a certain way for a certain reason. His reason, it's not for us to question that. If he wants to let us know, and he will, and sometimes he does. So just be aware, brothers and sisters, that they come. So if we go over into Matthew 12, It speaks to this very clearly, and that the the Chaldeans are spoken to this, and this is in twelve forty three. It starts here. When the unclean spirit has gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places seeking rest and findeth none. Then he saith, I will return into my house. For once I came out. And when he comes, he findeth it empty, swept, and garnished. Then goeth he and taketh with himself seven other spirits, more wicked than himself, and they enter in and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. Even so shall it be also unto the wicked generation. Brothers and sisters, that word came from Jesus Christ. Jesus was speaking about that. We are that dwelling place. And what he's talking about is he likens a man or a woman unto a dwelling place, which we have been referred to as the dwelling place of the Spirit. And that dwelling place, when we're saved or we believe, we go to church and we give ourselves to the Lord and we start. And then we don't continue. We don't stay in the Bible. We don't stay in the Word. We don't pray. We just go to church, kind of go through the motions. And then pretty soon, because you're not staying in the word, you don't want to listen to anything about spiritual gifts. You don't want to uh, drive after God and chase and seek him. Then you become empty. Swept out and tidy because all that mess that was in there hasn't had a chance to reaccumulate So those demons that came and were hanging out with you before that drove you to drinking and your addiction and all those things got cleaned up and they come back and and that one kind of wanders back and says, oh, I remember her, I remember him, I'm going to check this out. And they come in and they check and he sees, he says, ooh. This is looking good, there's plenty of room, but there's nothing happening in here because if the happening was going on in there and being in the word and prayer, that there would be a guardian at the door, they wouldn't get in. You shall not pass and boot that demon on its way. But because there isn't one there and because the door is basically unlocked as he tries and he comes in, Then he goes and he gets his party friends and they come in. They're going to hang out and stay. And it will be worse than it was. Deeper and darker and more despair. However, there is recompense for that. There is repentance. And you come back. The prodigal son. He went out and did that thing. He told his father, give me all my money. And he went out and he spent it. And he lived with the hogs. He ate out of their trough. But he went home and he was repentant. He says, Father, forgive me. His father fell on his neck and kissed him and welcomed him home. That parable is about us, brothers and sisters. It is about us. Be repentant, stay in the word, keep the demons out of the house. Daniel chapter one talks about when they were taken (coughs) back to Babylon by the Chaldean king. And this is how the demons work still. They seek for the future generations. They take what is not theirs and the future leadership. That's what they desire to steal, destroy, kill. They don't want the future leaders, they don't want future Christians, they don't want those that are um, going to have the capability of walking this earth and, and Feeding other souls that need to hear the word of God and planting the seeds in their fields so that they might be saved that's not Satan doesn't want that to happen and trust me in this too when um, you know when he talks about the ferocity in Habakkuk about the fierceness of the demons, that's not the only place that that's been talked about, okay It's talked about in many places. In the Bible, you have, um, you know, you have the reference to them. And here's a, here's the thing too: is that when you see any documentary and you see documentaries on wolves, and you look at them and wow, they're pretty majestic and they're they're, wow, you know, look at them. Look how they watch those uh, biologists out there and they're they're circling around and they're looking and they're watching. What they're doing is they're looking for a weakness. Wolves look for weaknesses in the herds. They circle the herd and they watch continually. And even when you think that they're not watching, they're watching. And brothers and sisters, we have to be this one. In the book of Ezekiel, the prophet's talking here. And this is what our father looks for too. And I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land, that I should not destroy it, but I found none. Brothers and sisters, we need to be that man or woman that stands in the gap. We need to make up that hedge and protect. And that protection is what we do. We share the word of God. We offer the opportunity. And brothers and sisters, like I tell you each and every time, well, not each and every time, but often I tell you to try the spirit of my truth. If you don't want to hear it, don't listen. If what I say sometimes is offensive, don't listen. That's okay. If it's offensive, then maybe that's tugging at something that shouldn't be there. Because I'm not looking to... Uh, belittle, degrade, or anybody. See, judgment is not mine. Judgment is mine, saith the Lord. It's his. I just throw the word out there. And if you get offended by some things, well, that's not my concern. That should be your concern. If it's offensive to you, then you should check out why it's offensive. And then if the shoe fits, you either wear it or you toss it out and you get a new pair. And if you don't want to hear what I'm sharing, it's very simple, push the delete button and don't listen. But what I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, is truth, only truth, okay? And in twenty-two, twenty-seven of the book of Ezekiel, a mighty prophet, it talks about the nation and it speaks a nation is a woman. Sorry, ladies, but this is the way it is. Her princes in the midst thereof are like wolves ravening the prey to shed blood and to destroy souls to get dishonest gain. Not nice, not kind, and here talking about that destruction that is caused by them. Wolves are wolves are pretty vicious critters. They're pretty pretty vicious. And they they don't they're not ginger about anything they do. Here you have another prophet, Zephaniah. And if we look in Zephaniah 3, 3, speaks again. Her princes within her are roaring lions, her judges are evening wolves, they gnaw at the bones till the morrow. Uh, we are speaking here and sisters don't don't be Don't be dissuaded and don't be upset about this. This is a Bible speak here, but they talk about uh, sinful ways and they talk about these things as a woman because a woman is desirous, beautiful. She can make herself up. She can be... uh, Guys, we either grow a beard, we shave it off, we get a haircut, we put on a suit and a tie, we clean up our act. We don't look like that guy that was just out in the backyard digging... Okay, But women can really dress up. And this is what the enemy does. To deceive. To pull the wool over one's eyes, as uh, you might say. But makes things desirous. Makes things appear to be more comely than what they really are. The truth is hidden behind that. So these things that are made up and then once you're in, they set upon you like a wolf to tear you apart from bone to bone and they ugh, down to the marrow. Demons come at night as those hunting creatures are, the lions and the wolves. they come at nighttime. And the thing of it is that that you have to understand that when you're in the quiet time in that night, you can't sleep or there's some things that are troubling you and for whatever reason, and as the pastor was sharing in in my lesson, in, in my confirmation lesson, again, I share that, that I had been studying about this some time ago and this pastor was confirming exactly what I had already been saying what God had brought to me before and his confirmation of that but the enemy comes at night and when it's dark and it's not you can't can't sleep get to prayer get to the Bible keep the word in and you'd you'd seek the word of God. And, you know, Paul talks about this thing too, about these wolves and lions when they come at nighttime and, and they come. In Acts 20, 29, when he talks about having to leave and he's been sharing some things, he says, for I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock, also of your own selves shall men arise speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. Therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years, I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. (laughs) So Paul is warning about the false prophets and teachers that will come, and they will to draw people away that I mean that's what they will do. that's what the deal is here and in uh first Peter, we go to first Peter, and first Peter five eight talks about these things. So I'm well actually I'm gonna I'm gonna back up a little bit. I'm gonna go back over here to uh verse five five, starting there. Likewise be younger, submit yourselves unto the elder, yea, all of you, be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility, for God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God that they that he may exalt you in due time. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, is as a roaring lion walking about, seeking whom he may devour. There are... References to the wolves and lions and how vicious, mean, nasty they are. So, brothers and sisters, we are to take care of one another, pray for one another, lift each other up, stay in the word, seek the word. And here's the other thing about wolves and and coyotes and those others that come around at nighttime to try to get into the flock, which we are the flock, and I know I've shared with you before about um, being, people are offended by being referred to as sheep. Well, that's kind of too bad because that's what people are. All you have to do is you look around in this day and age, and people are hurting. They're hurting creatures. When... You go around and you see how many people are in a parking lot at a restaurant. You may, hey, that must be a pretty good place. Yeah, I'm going to go over there. When you go to a place that hardly has anybody in there because it doesn't look like a very good place. It looks kind of dingy from the outside. So you can't get in the other place. So you go to that place and find that the food is really, really good. And people are paying three and four times what they would play at this nice little hangout that you found. Why? Because they want to go where everybody else goes. I I wandered this country as a commercial operator for over 25 years. And I found that to be so. Everywhere I went, border to border, coast to coast, everybody went to where the most cars were parked. And many times that is a good sign that you're going to have a good meal there but also a long wait and issues. I found some of the best places were the ones where nobody would go. That, And I found one place out in the middle of who knows where it was, I can't even remember. I thought it was a house. I had to park in the mud. It was uh, rainy. But man, was it really good. For, and the, the man, it was a man and wife. A, a black man and woman had, had bought this property and it was Tied historically to their family way back in time, and they started this barbecue place in there. Oh my gosh, it was so good. They were so kind. They were so gracious. They were so wonderful, and they liked to talk about God. I I didn't back in those days much, but when they did, they they spoke to being blessed and they talked about being blessed. And maybe they're planting the seed in me. So brothers and sisters. We need to lift each other up. And I was talking, referencing back to the uh, the herd again. Sorry, I got a little distracted and thinking about that. But that's what we are. Don't be offended by it because it's not a bad thing. I kind of like the fact that I have a good shepherd that watches over me and will protect me. That staff that the shepherd takes, that isn't a prod and poke and whack on the sheep. Too. They don't really need that. Sheep are actually a little smarter than people give them credit for. They're very skittish critters. Things make them very nervous very easily. They become very fearful very easily, as many people do. <clears throat> but the shepherd only needs to speak to them, and they recognize your voice. I shared this with you before, that I had some, knew some shepherds. And they kept, uh, it was an open uh, foal out, uh, out in the area where they went from pasture to pasture, didn't have a gate. So they took turns on watch in the open gate and the sheep would just stay in there. But they were there to protect the sheep. And when they got ready to go, one at a time, they would walk in and call to their sheep. The sheep knew their voice and they would, they would walk out. He would lead them out. They would follow him as he spoke to them. And the dog, once he got out in the open and and his dog would kind of guide those that wanted to ramble and he would bring them back, but they followed his voice and they never mixed up the sheep, never got mixed up. Each, Each flock knew their shepherd's voice. So brothers and sisters, I know my shepherd's voice and he talks to me. And he walks with me, and he tells me that I am his own. And he walks with each one of us if we listen, lean in and listen. But anyway, I got verbose. I went on. Probably far much further than I should have, but I can't help that. So I'm going to share with you, brothers and sisters, and then I'm going to bless your day. Bless this walk today. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Brothers and sisters, that staff, when the enemy comes, the wolf comes, he's just going to whop that wolf. (laughs) that's what that staff is for and it's made of good sturdy stout wood the shepherds carried their staffs the ones that I knew it was made of some good wood wasn't any cheap stuff that was going to splinter the first whack they wanted to make sure to be able to do what they needed to do brothers and sisters you have a blessed day Be encouraged by this. Do not be fearful, but know the enemy. Know that the enemy is real. Don't put on your rose-tinted glasses and decide that you don't want to hear about that anymore or that you just want to read about the rose garden and the bluebirds of happiness and all of that. That's not real life. But, brothers and sisters, the great and good news is that God is with us wherever we go. There is no reason to be dismayed, to be discouraged, to be fearful. Things that are uncertain, yeah, they can be frightening, but don't be fearful. Don't let your fear guide your reactions and your purpose. Don't withdraw. Don't be afraid. Pray for one another. Uplift one another. Encourage one another. Seek God's face and seek him through the word stay in the word stay in prayer stay vigilant to the enemy and that's all that's all God's with us all the time have a blessed day brothers and sisters I love y'all Yahweh these words that I share for your glory father God for the edification of my brothers and sisters to exhort them to encourage them, to lift them up, Father God. It is from your truth, your words, your wisdom, and your knowledge that you have imparted to me, and that wisdom that you have put to that Father that I have prayed for, and that you have blessed me with. Thank you, Father God. And I share this with my brothers and sisters, not for my vain glory, Father, but for your glory your glory and the glory of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, who came to sacrifice himself for us, Father God, and the Holy Spirit that he prayed to you to send when he went back to his throne, Father God, when he came back to you from this place that he sacrificed himself in death and you raised him on that third day, Father God, and he prayed that the Holy Spirit would come and guide, and teach, and help us to pray, lead us into the word, Father God, and you have kept that promise, Father, for me, I see it, Father God, Yahweh, aman, Yahshua, aman, Paraklitos, aman, brothers and sisters, I share this with you, and I come to you, I'm going to try not to be so verbose. You've you've experienced, if any of you, if any out there that have been checking, following, and, and doing the podcasting that I've shared, and some that may be new to this, I have shared before that I have been told that I am verbose. <laughs> and that I have this, I have this knack. I can't help it. When I start sharing the word of God, his truth, his light, his truth, and that gospel of Jesus Christ, I cannot help but to get carried away. And I consider myself to be in quite good company because Peter, Paul and John, when they taught and preached, sometimes they would go for hours. We have experienced here in this time, in this age, that pastors tend to watch the clock because they don't, uh, I I don't know where that came from or, or came from, but the church that I was raised in, there was a clock on the wall and whoever was in the pulpit and preaching could watch that clock and it seemed that they were doing that as a courtesy to the people that were coming but on occasion I can remember that our pastor our lead pastor would go and go and there were a couple occasions where he invited anyone that felt that they needed to leave to to go and those that wanted to stay and hear the word stayed and so With that being said, brothers and sisters, I'm going to try to keep this one short because the last one I almost went an hour, but I couldn't help it. It needed to be shared. It needed to be told. There are those that are skeptical in this day and age that think that demons do not exist. They think that miracles do not exist. And what that tells me is that they're not magnifying God. They're limiting God in their sight, and they're saying that God's not capable Well, let me tell you this about that. God created all things that we even cannot see. And there is nowhere, nowhere, nowhere that can be found in the Bible that God has said that, okay, during a certain time and age, I will stop doing miracles and demons don't exist. And that's just the way it's going to be. And you can all carry on the way you feel. Well, nowhere in the Bible can that be found. And what the Bible does say continuously is that we are to stay in the word, that we are to run the good race. We are in a spiritual battle. And I will tell you that in a number of places that demons have been described as lions and wolves, Peter, Paul, Jesus Christ himself described the demons, and know that this is the truth, that they do exist, miracles do exist. You have to have faith, faith in God. And that's all, there's only a couple things that God asks of us, that's to believe that Jesus Christ is his only begotten son and to have faith in him. Brothers and sisters, I have faith. I believe and I have seen and I am existing because of God's continual grace and mercy the grace that he has in giving us what we don't deserve and the mercy in holding back what we definitely do deserve. Because brothers and sisters, there are so many that have turned their back on God, turned their back on the church, turned their back on their brothers and sisters of this world. We are all brothers and sisters. It doesn't matter what color the skin is. God created that. What does matter is the character of one's heart. If you choose to have the character of Jesus Christ and show that light and have the Holy Spirit dwell in you, and I shared when I was talking about the demons, they're going to come back and they're going to check an opportunity. They watch. Wolves watch and they hunt. And they're vicious in their attack. And just like the demon that was once in a person who had addictions, had Discouragement didn't know what to do and had given up, but then decided that they wanted to believe in Jesus Christ and God and have faith. They cleaned out their house and they started, and then they became discouraged or gave up for whatever reason. That demon comes back, takes a peek in a window, and he sees that the house has been swept, it's been cleaned, it's been put in order but it's empty. That emptiness is not staying in the word, not seeking the face of God, not seeking the truth, not staying in prayer, not going to church, and just basically existing. And then he goes and he calls his friends, and they come back, and it will be worse for that man or woman than it was before. You remember that man in the tombs when Jesus came and know this, brothers and sisters, that even the demons know his authority. They know who he is. There were several occasions where he came and there were those that were possessed of demonic spirits and they're spirits that were dwelling there, they knew and recognized his authority. No one introduced him. Nobody came up. Peter didn't walk up and say, hey, this is Jesus Christ. He wants to talk to you. Didn't have to. His authority preceded him. They knew and they cried out. And then they said, Jesus Christ, thou son of God, what have thou to do with us? And they said, us. The man in the tombs had many spirits. And when Jesus Christ commanded, they divulged their name and their identity. They said, we are legions for there are many. Many demons had come in and possessed that man. And Jesus Christ cast them out and they went into the swine and then leapt into the sea. You remember that story. You should remember it. It's in the word. It's truth. There were others. All he did was walk onto the location and they recognized and threw themselves down some of them and attempted to take hold of the person that they were in. There I go getting carried away. My intent is this, to try to keep this short this morning. I just got off work, took the dogs out for a walk. I'm kind of tired out, but the Spirit has been talking to me today and I speak by the leading of the Spirit. And when the Spirit tells me to share certain things, I just go. I just go. But here's something for ponderance. Why is it that people will put their faith and trust in doctors of this world. Some of them are good. Many are not. They have forgotten the Hippocratic Oath. They prescribe medication as if it was candy. They prescribe one medication to cover all ails. Someone has a similar symptom, so they prescribe medication that they gave to somebody else saying that it will work but people are made physiologically different. God created people differently inside. They function differently and that medication that these medical alleged professionals should know this and recognize this. I met one physician, I believe I shared this with you, maybe not, but I'll share it now. When I met him, the company didn't have full benefits, but if something happened and needed a doctor, you could go to this doctor that worked for them. He had his own practice, but he would see their operators, their drivers. I was driving a big truck, and he would take care of them. The company paid for anything that he did or decided was good because they trusted him, they knew him. He was a good man and a good doctor, and he shared with me on one visit that I had. And he didn't prescribe me any medication because he didn't think I needed the medication. He said, you need, he gave me guidance on what I should do. And when I followed his guidance, huh, worked like a charm. I didn't need medication. And he didn't like to prescribe medication. And he said that a lot of doctors have forgotten their Hippocratic Oath and they have forgot that it's called practicing medicine for a reason. Everyone is different. They're not identical. They're not cookie-cutters, pieces of flesh and bone, and medication that works for one may not work for another. And they've forgotten that. The man was 80 years old when I met him. His eyes were as clear, as bright as a young man. His grip was like a bear trap when he shook your hand. He was honest, he was truthful, he had integrity, and I trusted him, the best physician I ever met. But let me ask you this, again, getting into the ponderance. Why do people trust these doctors? They will prescribe medication that has a litany of side effects and things that are detrimental to your well being. One little thing that they do good, they may do good, but everything else, if you turn over the little warning sheet that comes in the box, is the whole back page is full of side effects and things that are bad. And many of those medications, if you read that last paragraph, could cause this and that, even unto death. My goodness gracious. And yet, people will put their trust in those people, but they won't trust the great physician. Who is that great physician, you might ask? That great physician is the term that was given to Jesus Christ. I find that kind of sad. So, here we have to go on, the scripture that I'm going to lay out to you, brothers and sisters, that in the second letter to Timothy that Paul wrote in chapter 3, this is of the wickedness in the last days that are foretold. And it's something that's very sad. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful and unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good. Sounds very familiar. But here, and as we know that Paul writes a lot of his letters from being incarcerated in prison and these letters that he was writing to to Timothy are of his last few months, years that he was going to stay on this earth and and also I share in Timothy 2.10, Therefore I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. It is a faithful saying, for if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we believe, not yet, he abideth faithful. He cannot deny himself. Of these things put them in remembrance, charging them before the Lord that they strive not about words to no profit, but to the subverting of the hearers. Study to show thyself approved unto God a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightfully dividing the word of truth, but shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness and their word will eat as doth a canker, of whom is Hymena and Philetus. Well, I'll share with you there that what he's talking about are in the church, and Timothy was writing back and forth to him, there were a couple in the church that were at odds with one another, and they were trying to get members of the church on a side. And what he's talking about here back and forth is, is the rumors and the gossip that were going on and that you have to not follow that. You have to follow the good things. You have to follow the word. You have to stay in the word and not follow these gossip, and rumors that continue on and go because, brothers and sisters, it's just vanity and vain. And you have to strive to stay in those good works. Study to show thyself approved unto God. And here's the thing for me in 1, 12 through 14, For which cause I suffer these things, nevertheless I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Hold fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me in faith and love which is in Christ Jesus, that good thing which was committed unto thee, keep By the Holy Ghost, which dwelleth in us. Brethren and sisters, Paul is exhorting Timothy to share with them and not to be ashamed. He's not ashamed of what he's doing. He's not ashamed of what he did. And this is why he's being persecuted. Because... The leaders and elders of the church, the Pharisees and those that are so arrogant and caught up with them, they're as upset with Paul and the other disciples because they're not following the written law that they have studied. And like Jesus told them, oh, you know the word, but you don't know God. And this is one of the reasons why, and you have to remember too, that historically Paul used to burn churches. He hunted Christians. He would find them, and he worked for both the Romans and the Jewish hierarchy that had issue with that because it disrupted their thought process. It disrupted their arrogant lifestyle and their being. And they didn't want to have to confess the fact that Jesus Christ was indeed the Messiah that they had prayed for, many for their entire lives. And when he stood before them, they couldn't even see it. And remember, Jesus shared with them, and it's many places in the Bible, they that have ears, let them hear. Jesus Christ was talking about spiritual ears. He wasn't talking about your physicality of your body. They heard the words and they didn't get it. And he spoke in parables to try to get them to lean in. I remember as a child in school, if this teacher said something I didn't understand, I would go back and I'd question. I wanted to know the answer. I wanted to know what they were talking about, but they didn't do that. Instead, they ignored that and they rebuked him and they demeaned him and berated him because he was not following the law of Moses. The Old Testament, yes. There were things that were in the Old Testament that were, but man still was so terrible, and still kept turning away. But God did not want to do as He did in the days of Noah, and as He did with Sodom and Gomorrah. And why? Here's that two little word, two little letter word, brothers and sisters. For He so love the world. He so loves the world. And Jesus Christ, the spirit of our Lord Jesus felt that in God's spirit and he said yes, I will do this. I will do this thing for your glory and for their sake. And that higher love, that agape love he, didn't, he doesn't ask anything of us now. And we couldn't afford to pay for what he did for the entire world. He loved the world so much. What did he do? He stretched out his arms so wide. And then they drove spikes through his hands and he was sacrificed. And what did he say on the cross? My God. My father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Still in compassion for those that were killing him. He asked God to forgive. They know not what they do. And the centurion that was there confessed because he saw the truth. Yea, it is truth. He is the son of God. Took him down and laid him in a tomb and rolled the stone. And then they set guards because the Pharisees were going to believe that the disciples were going to come and try to take his body. And yet, those the ten to our Lord Jesus Christ came and rolled back that stone. And the power, the almighty hand of God reached down and raised him again as the word tells us that it was going to happen. And then for 40 days, he walked where he preached and taught. And then on that mount. He was taken back to heaven. And the angel said, why do you look for him? He's gone, but he will come back as he did when he left. In the clouds, in glory, he will come. When he went up, he was transfigured. He then became the way he was in heaven. He was no longer that earthly man He was Jesus Christ, the only begotten son of God and raised back to sit on that throne, the right hand of God. And he's going to come back in that same way. Not as that sacrificial lamb, but as the lion of the tribe of Judah. And there I go getting carried away again. Brothers and sisters in Colossians, In Colossians 2, 8, Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power in whom also ye are circumcised with a circumcision made without hands and putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Now, brothers and sisters, what he's talking about is not that worldly circumcision that was ordained as a covenant between God and Abraham and taking off the foreskin of the male. The circumcision that they're talking about is the covenant of man to God through Jesus Christ and accepting Jesus Christ as the Son of God and that that old flesh is cut away. And that circumcision of covenant with God that you will believe Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son of God and you will have faith in God. And brothers and sisters, our actions do matter. What we do does matter and that there are many that will attempt to deceive through their own vanities and through their own words and that you follow them because of their words and their arrogance brothers and sisters do not be deceived by them be deceived by them there are many that will attempt to do so And as our great physician in Matthew chapter 9, verse 10, And it came to pass, as Jesus sat at meat in the house, behold, many publicans and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. They wanted to hear what he had to say. They knew that he spoke with authority, and his doctrine was righteous and true. In verse 11, And when the Pharisees saw it, They said unto his disciples, Why eateth your master with publicans and sinners? But Jesus heard what they said. And he said unto them, They that be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. But go ye and learn what that meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice, for I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance." There again, brothers and sisters, the Pharisees knew the written law. They were following the written law. They wouldn't even touch anyone like that. And when they walked through the marketplace, they tried to avoid their touch because then they would be unclean and they'd have to go through all this ritualistic issue. And (sighs) there are so many. And you know what? Jesus Christ hated religion. Why did he hate religion? Because religion puts God in a little box and they take him out when it's convenient. And like the Pharisee was in church or in the temple with a a publican that was there and his prayer was out loud so that others could see him. Oh, thank you, Father, that I am not like this publican, that I am not like this man. I am clean. I am righteous. No, you are self-righteous. And I've shared with you that they used to go into the temple. They had a different coin box than when they put their offering in. They had a big funnel. So when they dropped their coins in, everybody in the whole place could hear it because it echoed through the whole place that they were dropping a lot of coins in there. And this was in in that story that Jesus was talking about the widow when she came in and she just put her coin in. And who was more righteous? Who was more holy Well, she was because she gave all that she had. And that was still from her heart, where this obnoxious, arrogant person went in and made a big showboat about it. And he didn't give all he had. And it wasn't from his heart, it was for show. It's sad. But these things, why do we put our trust and faith in mammon when God is so there for us? Oh, brothers and sisters, it it hurts my heart. It does indeed. But here's more truth and more promise from God. In Isaiah... Forty, twenty-eight. Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard, that the everlasting God, and the Lord, creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not? Neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. We can't understand him anyway. I threw that in there because people try to, they try to reason with God's understanding and his knowledge and wisdom by comparing it with their own it's not fathomable brothers and sisters you can't so instead of looking to that and trying to compute it with this finite mind that we have just have to walk in faith verse 29 he giveth power to the faint and to them that have no might he increases their strength even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fail. That is our finite strength, brothers and sisters, but in our faith. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. In faith, brothers and sisters, faith in our God, faith in our creator, faith in Abba, Yahweh, our father in heaven, will increase our strength. In Isaiah 35, verse 3, strengthen ye the weak hands and confirm the feeble knees. Say to them that are of a fearful heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. Even God with a recompense, he will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap up as a heart and the tongue of the dumb sing. For in the wilderness shall waters break out and streams in the desert. And the parched ground shall become a pool and the thirsty land springs of water and the habitation of dragons where each lay shall be grass with reeds and rushes. These are the things that God is going, all things will be made new brothers and sisters in God. This is why I'm posing this to you, these thoughts and these processes, all these promises that that God has made that are throughout his word. And yet, there are those that still go with their own thought process and they still try to do things through their own understanding. Isaiah 29, 11 through 16. And the vision of all is become unto you as the words of a book that is sealed, which men delivered to one that is learned, saying, read this, I pray thee, and he saith, I cannot, for it is sealed. And the book is delivered to him that is not learned, saying, Read this, I pray thee. And he saith, I'm not learned. Wherefore, the Lord saith, for as this people draw near me with their mouth and with their lips do honor me, but have removed their heart far from me. And their fear toward me is taught by the precept of men. Therefore, behold, I will proceed to do a marvelous work among this people, even as a marvelous work and a wonder for the wisdom of their wise men shall perish, and the understanding of their prudent men shall be hid. Woe unto them that seek deep to hide their counsel from the Lord, and their works are in the dark, and they say, Who seeth us, and who knoweth us? God does. God sees all. He knows all. Surely your turning of things upside down shall be esteemed as the potter's clay, for shall the work say of him that made it, he made me not? Or shall the thing framed say of him that framed it? He had no understanding. Nothing that we are due and we, we think that we're doing it in secret, but God knows all and sees all. We cannot hide these things, anything that's done from God. And when you don't have integrity, which means doing the right thing or the righteous thing, whether or not anyone can see you, it doesn't matter because God sees it. Have integrity, have righteous integrity. Be upright, be bold in your testimony of Jesus Christ. And that we must do that thing that he called us through. Isaiah twelve, two and three. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also has become my salvation. Therefore with joy shall ye draw water out of the wells of salvation. That's Old Testament. In the New Testament, when he met the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman at the well, the well that Jacob dug, and he told her, they that drink from this well shall thirst again. But those that come and drink my water shall not thirst. I offer living water. She was puzzled. She didn't understand. But that, brothers and sisters, is what Jesus Christ offers. And that's what Isaiah is talking about. So many put their trust in man. So many put their trust in mankind. And brothers and sisters, I shared with you at the beginning, I tend to get carried away when I start sharing the gospel of God, our Father, and Jesus Christ. I love to do this has blessed me mightily in being able to do this thing it is for his glory and for the glory of Jesus Christ for your edification for your uplifting for your encouragement and strengthening your will brothers and sisters because we have to have that strengthen your mindset stay in the word seek his face in all that we do in all that we act out in righteousness I love you, brothers and sisters. You are all in my prayers always. And all are my brothers and sisters. I love you. Have a blessed and great day.